Amen. And take that. Great. Well, good morning. This could be the most uh, sacrificial preach of my life, having just had to walk away from the last five minutes of my son's cup final. And uh, it was always going to be touch and go as to whether I'd be able to see the end. And, uh, and the opposition just equalized as I left. And um, so could be penalties or anything. So carrying on the exciting week of football just down there at Bolton Woods. Um, but yeah, anyway... Uh, so today we're going to um, we're kind of starting a new series last week, uh, looking at New Testament heroes, and uh, I'm not exactly sure if the brief was who is your New Testament hero. I mean, my instant answer to that is Jesus, but I wasn't allowed to do Jesus. Um, and uh, but uh, but somebody who, yeah, I don't know, kind of speaks to me, someone who inspires me, someone who challenges me to the very very core is uh, someone who uh, you probably know as John the Baptist. I want to call him John the Baptizer, um, just because the Baptist is now a denomination in Christianity. And, uh, and uh, we all know he would have been an Anglican. And um, <laughs> Not really. <clears throat> and, uh, wow, John the Baptist, without a doubt, one of the most kind of radical and confronting and challenging people in the New Testament. There are other people who you kind of like, you see a bit of a breadth of, of kind of personality in them, but really not with John the Baptist. All you get is in your face, challenge and confrontation. That's pretty much it. There's no soft stuff um, with him. <laughs> Maybe that's why I like him so much. Um, and uh, yeah, also as I was preparing, I was like, man, I could do a whole, whole kind of um, series on, on him. And so what to leave out, what to s- try and squeeze into half an hour. But rather than kind of like work my way through and reveal some big punchline at the end, I want to tell you the three kind of takeaways or the three kind of challenges that I think John the Baptist brings to us. Um, and yeah, it might just be, and it probably will be, that just one of them will speak to you today. One of them will challenge you about how you live. And, uh, and uh, which, which is all good. So the three that I want to bring, firstly, is John prepared the way for Jesus. John prepared the way for Jesus, and so should you. Okay? The second one is that John lived differently and sacrificially, and so should you. And thirdly, and this is a bit more interesting, John baptized people... And so should you. Leave that one hanging a little bit. We'll come to that right at the end. And over all of this, I just want to speak again. One of a verse that has to speak to the heart of every person who dearly seeks to follow Jesus. A verse from John, uh, John's Gospel, uh, chapter three, verse thirty, which is what John said in relation to Jesus. He said these words. He said, "He." must increase, I must decrease. And if that isn't a signature verse over the life of every Christian, that Jesus should become more in our lives. And we, and who kind of like, you know, we should, we, we should decrease, we should become less, we should be more humble. It should be less about us and more about him. So, so John's main kind of role uh, in the whole Jesus story was one of preparation. So again, I'm not going to presume you kind of like know the story of John, but he was a relative of Jesus. We see this in Luke chapter 1, verse 
14, um, where basically this is, uh, 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 yeah, kind of like God speaking, I think, through, yeah, through an angel um, to his mum, Elizabeth. And he says, he will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. These were the instructions. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink. And he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. Wow, what an amazing promise over someone's life. He'll bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go on before the Lord. So he will go before Jesus in the spirit and power of Elijah. Elijah was a very powerful prophet from the, the kind of like Israel's past. And he will turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And there's a brilliant kind of moment where um, Mary, the mother of Jesus, meets Elizabeth. And, uh, and it says that, jo- that John, who was in the womb, actually kind of like jumped. You know, Elizabeth experienced a jumping in her womb as John kind of met Jesus womb to womb, which is just like weird, but brilliant, isn't it? You know, isn't that just, just, just fantastic? And so, so John came, and then he basically kind of did this ministry where he was, he was kind of out in the wilderness. He was, um, became, then became famous for baptizing people. So it says that he baptized people with, uh, he preached a baptism for repentance of sins. So basically, if you want to turn away from your old life and all your old mistakes, come and be baptized. Have them all washed away. And, uh, and, and so he was kind of out there doing that. Some people were like, is, is this guy the Messiah? Is he not the Messiah? And uh, kind of like, who is he? What is he about? But he was out there. And he was kind of, he, he led a significant movement of people who would kind of like turn back to God. And it says this in Luke chapter 3. It says, the word of God came to John. This is John the baptizer, son of Zechariah. And it came in the wilderness. He went into all the country around the Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. I just told you that, didn't I? I should have just read this. Um, (laughs) As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet. These were significant words to the people of Israel that were talking about a prophet that that was to come. And it turns out that it was about John the Baptist. There's a voice of one calling in the wilderness. So he wasn't in the towns, in the cities. He was out in the kind of the, the, yeah, the barren lands um, and uh, would look a bit strange. He dressed, dressed strangely. He kind of didn't eat normal stuff. He was a bit kind of weird, which is good news for some of you. You can relate to him. Um, <laughs> oh, I shouldn't be that naughty, should I? There's a voice of one calling in the wilderness. Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. Every valley should be filled in and every mountain and hill made low. The crooked roads shall become straight, the rough ways smooth, and all people will see God's salvation. If you just kind of picture picture kind of a, a mountainous scene. There are kind of like big mountains, and in between them there are valleys. There are kind of paths weaving all over the place. And basically, this is saying, no, actually, prepare a way for the Lord that is easy to get. If you want to get from here to over here in the mountain range, it's going to take you an awful long time. You're going to have to go through a lot of difficulty or whatever. This is saying, no, 
prepare the way for the Lord, and you do it by bringing the mountains down and bringing the valleys up so you can have a nice straight path. That's the picture that's being used here. So it's like an analogy. And it's basically kind of saying, get, get all the stuff out of the way so that God's way can be easy to find. And it says, all people will see God's salvation. And in a way, John did this. So he came, and by preaching a baptism of repentance, and basically saying, kind of turn away from, the, from, from following your own way and start following God's way, then in your own life, you are making way for God to come in. Okay? Because, because we... The stuff that we do that gets in between us and God, that, that damages our relationship with God, which is kind of, uh, you know, we use the word sin, which just means falling short of the mark of God's brilliant standard for us of how he wants us to live in fullness with him. But if we, if, if we get that stuff out of the way, it is as if in our lives and in our hearts, we are raising the valley up and we're bringing the mountains down so that there can be a straight path for God's ways, for God's words, for God's spirit to come into our lives. And so what does this mean for us? Well, firstly, I, th- I, I think this kind of preparing the way for God happens in two places. Firstly, it happens in us and in our lives. And uh, if you were here at the beginning of this year, we did a whole s- series on holiness where we talked about kind of like getting the sin, getting the muck, getting the grime out of our lives, those bad choices, those bad decisions, that offense that we cause. It's about getting all of that out. And we are to prepare our hearts. That doesn't mean that we kind of, in a way, we, we can kind of earn God's grace and favor, but it does mean that the more we have that stuff going on inside us, the harder it is for God's spirit to communicate to us, for God's spirit to lead us, and God's spirit to guide us. And so really what John was saying was, get all that stuff out of the way. In your heart, make the, bring the mountains down. Lift the valleys up. Make a straight, easy path for God's spirit to flow into you and then out of you. But he also also really was he was himself kind of living in such a way that he would bring mountains down and valleys up in the lives of other people as well. He was preparing a way for Jesus to come into people's hearts. And uh, that call is also upon our lives as well. That we are to live in such a way I was thinking about this, I was thinking, is this just really, really obvious? And I was thinking, well, praise God, there's loads of pretty new Christians in the church. You probably haven't heard all this before. Yeah? Yeah, absolutely. You are to live in such a way that it's easy. This last verse that it says, it says, and all people will see God's salvation. We're to live in such a way that it is easy for people to see God's salvation. Now, this is most brilliantly demonstrated, I think, through when we kind of do what we would call our social action or social justice work. So when Andy and the team are kind of doing their brilliant work with kind of kids that have been really struggling to stay in mainstream education, one of the mountains for many of those children to get over is the mountain of not believing they're worthy of love, yeah? And by them experiencing genuine love, They're starting to pull down a mountain in that person's life. 
when, when Gaz goes out and he sits down with a, with a debt center client. And he, and, and, and he basically kind of like sees this, this mountain of debt or this valley of the pit of despair that this person is sitting in. He says, give that to me. We can sort this out. We can help you through this issue. We can help you through this problem. He's like, it's raising a valley. He's pulling down a mountain of debt. And in doing this, what is happening? A straight path is being made for the sharing of God's brilliant good news that he loves that person dearly and has a better plan for them. You know, for us, what are we supposed to do? How are we supposed to kind of live in such a way that prepares the way for Jesus? Well, it might, it might be something as straightforward as talking to someone about Jesus. A lot of people have a totally wrong idea of who Jesus is. In fact, a, re- a, a recent survey showed that around, I think it was around about 40% of people in the UK don't even believe that Jesus was an historical figure. Yeah? That is a mountain of ignorance, yeah, that needs to be pulled down. Many people, because the church has done a pretty bad job of kind of PRing Jesus, believe that Jesus is harsh and judgmental and uncaring. That is a total valley of wrong thinking and of wrong understanding. How we live our lives and how we share our lives with others and how we tell people about Jesus All of this raises the valleys and lowers the mountains. What could you do? What could you do to lower a mountain, raise a valley, and make a straight path for the Lord in someone else's life? Now, the the truth is a lot of this is simple. Some of you may have stopped doing this. Some of you probably find it hard to do this. I find it hard to do this. And some of you are brand new Christian. You didn't even know you had to do this. Well, welcome to the team. Yeah, this is our mission. This is our God. It's just simple things. It's being prepared to drop God into a conversation at work. It's being prepared, if you're brave enough, to offer to pray for someone when they're going through a difficulty. It's a simple thing that when... Maybe there is a, an event happening at church to invite someone along to an Alpha course. This is kind of, in one sense, it's Outreach and Christianity 101. But I'm a big believer that often we need reminding as much as we need teaching. Because it is very easy to let this stuff slip. Now the one thing I would say we probably don't want to take from the life of John the Baptist is how he communicates some stuff. <laughs> Okay, because we're going to hear some stuff from him in a minute. You'll be like, right, okay, so I need to turn up at work and say that tomorrow. No, you don't, okay? Um, Especially in this culture where the last thing you should be doing is offending anyone. And we're all an awfully lot more sensitive than we were even a decade or two ago. God doesn't want us to go out and offend people. God doesn't want us to be pointing the finger That's what they expect from Christians. That doesn't mean that we don't share life, that we don't share love with them. And so John prepared the way for Jesus. So should you. So should you. Secondly, John lived differently and sacrificially. We see John 
So first of all, I've already mentioned that kind of like John, he lived, lived out in the wilderness. Oh, I'm awake! <laughs> That's brilliant. Letting them know uh, here, just like Lyndon generally does. <laughs> I'm here! Like father, like son, daughter, daughter, son, guessing. One or the other. Sorry. Should know information like that. Um, we see him, he lived a very simple and a very humble life. That, that speaks to us, but not only does it speak to us, but his words speak to us. Like I say, John didn't mince his words, so this might sound really, really harsh and judgmental. Because it is um, different culture. John said to the crowds coming out to be baptized by him. So all these people are flocking to him saying, I want to be baptized. I want to repent of my sins. I want to leave it all behind. John said to the crowds coming out to be baptized by him, you brood of vipers. <laughs> That's what you're not supposed to say at work tomorrow morning, okay? <laughs> um, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. So in other words, don't just say you're sorry, live like you're sorry. Don't just say I'm sorry, but actually do what repentance really means. We, we, we've come to understand repentance to mean, oh, it's just saying you're sorry. No, it's not. Repentance is around doing a 180 and leaving that choice behind and that life behind and going in a different direction. So produce free, fruit in keeping with repentance. And then he has a bit of a pop at them. You know, they're the Israelites, and they're a bit like, you know, we're God's chosen people. We don't have to worry about anything, you know, which is a bit of pride that can get in, and it can get into, into the church today as well. He says, and don't even begin to say to yourselves, look, we've got Abraham as our father. <laughs> yeah, we're fine. Abraham's our father. Father Abraham has many sons. <laughs> you know, that doesn't actually say that in the Bible. I can't find that song in the Bible. Has anyone found it? Anyway. For I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. In other words, you think you're special? God can, God can raise these stones to life if he wants to, to have a people of his own. Then he says the axe is already at the root of the trees, which really we kind of understand that kind of like God's about to kind of, kind of like finish this whole special people project because he's got a new, more brilliant project in Jesus, which will mean every tribe and tongue will come to know him. So the axe is already at the root of the trees. He's about to chop it down. Because every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. And so the crowd asks, what should we do then? This is where it gets challenging. If you weren't here for my sell your possessions and give it all to the poor talk two weeks ago, coming straight back at you. John answered, anyone who has two shirts should share with the one who has none. Just read that again. Anyone who has two shirts should share. Two shirts should share with <laughs> with the one who has none. I can't believe I bought this T-shirt yesterday. <laughs> what was I doing? <laughs> and anyone who has food, enough, more than enough food, should do the same. And then the tax collectors, who basically were like total rip-off merchants. These would be like your, kind of like your loan sharks of today. Even tax collectors came to be baptized, which is brilliant, isn't it? You know, that's great news. 
Teacher, they asked, what should we do? Interestingly, it's kind of a little bit easier than what he's already said, but I'm guessing this, that, it, that applied to the tax collectors as well. He says, don't collect any more than you are required to. Because what the tax collectors used to do, they used to kind of, kind of basically overcharge people and line their pockets and get really wealthy under the guise of, I'm a tax collector, you can't touch me. Um, and uh, even just this week, I was reading a, an article about uh, kind of loan sharks in Northern Ireland because basically all the paramilitaries that used to kind of like fight the war of freedom when the Good Friday Agreement came along, they had to find something else suited to their skills. Yeah. And unfortunately, loan sharking was it. You know, bullying, violence, intimidation. Oh, what could I be? Oh, I know, I'll be a loan shark. Um, you read stories of people that have borrowed 500 pounds and then two years later they've paid back 3,000 pounds and they're still in debt to them. It's just, that was... How you think of those people is how everyone else thought of the tax collectors. He says, don't collect any more than you are required to. Be just in your dealings. Be just in your work. And so then some soldiers asked him. The soldiers would generally kind of rip off merchants as well. If anyone's lived in kind of, you know, a, a country where the rule of law is not quite as strong. Like I lived in the Dominican Republic for two years and... Uh, yeah, basically, policemen just stopped you so you could pay them, so you could carry on your journey. That was kind of what, what, what happened and still happens in many countries around the world. They would have been doing that too. Soldiers asked him, what should we do? And he replied, don't extort money and don't accuse people falsely and be content with your pay. So again, really the whole message of justice, be just and be fair. Really interesting. He was preparing the way for Jesus. And as we heard a couple of weeks ago, Jesus' message was going to be hard, it was going to be confronting, and it was going to be challenging. And John the Baptist was just preparing the way for them, which is basically, don't keep too much stuff for yourself. Really? That was the message. That's what, if you've got two shirts, give to those who have none. Yeah? And I'll put it to you, if you do find anyone that has, probably the easiest way to, in England would be, you know, if you've got two winter coats... Yeah, and you see someone who has none, that would be a great example of how you can live sacrificially. And I'd say with this, I'd say with all, all of this kind of area, you know, because it's not very likely that we're all going to just end up with one shirt, is it? You know, not in our culture. So how do we reinterpret that? Well, a key thing will be, and I, I was really encouraged by a couple of people who messaged me afterwards saying we're, we're reviewing our budget. We're reviewing how we spend our money in light of Jesus' message to sell your possessions and give to the poor. And, you know, just some practical steps. I don't think I really got to practical steps when I preached on this. But, you know, hopefully you, you, you have a budget and you roughly know. If, if not, come and see me afterwards. We've got a brilliant course that gets run in this church from time to time. Have a look at it. Go, okay, God. Where might you want me to tweak this so that I can be more generous to those that do not have? In my abundance, what can I cut out? It might be something as simple as a coffee, you know, a week, or something like that. It's just like you take those few pounds, what might you be able to do with it? Maybe you could support in churches as they kind of like look to help people who are homeless, which is a, generally a better idea than just buying a coffee on the streets, although, yeah. Think twice before you buy something. 
In fact, don't think twice. Think three times before you buy something. Be that big, be it small. Maybe you've got some stuff that actually you could sell. I sold a bunch of stuff on eBay recently. One of my thoughts from uh, when I spoke last two weeks ago was, okay, maybe the next time I sell my possessions on eBay, why don't I just take that and give that away? Yeah? I mean, that really is being very biblical. That's actually selling your possessions, isn't it, and giving to the poor. And also, I just put this out there as well. As far as you can, and it is really, really hard in our culture, in the same way that you're saying to the tax collector and the soldier, be just and fair in all your dealings. Seek ways that you can be more just and more fair in how you spend your money. And, uh, you know, I don't want to kind of like bang a really big drum for this, but, you know, if you have a choice between a fair trade banana and a not fair trade banana, well, that one has guaranteed that someone isn't being exploited. So why not pick up that and pay an extra 20p for that bunch of bananas? Simple things like that can actually just, yeah. Do they make a big difference? No. But they make a big difference to you because you are being more just. And genuinely, God smiles upon us when we seek to be more just in how we do all of our dealings. So, John lived differently and sacrificially. So should you. So should I. Finally, John baptized people. And so should you. If you were here for baptisms on Easter Sunday, it was a, as always, it's so good to baptize people. It's so good to celebrate people putting a stake in the ground saying, I'm living for Jesus. Yeah? I'm not just going to be a, a receiver of a nice feeling to know my sins are forgiven. No, I've heard the call to go into this world, make it a better place, to live a life of holiness and righteousness for him. And what for me was an absolute joy, probably the biggest joy, were the people that were doing the baptizing. Okay? I mean, all due respect, all of you got baptized, brilliant and all that. But that was brilliant. Stuart, when I saw you in that pool... When I saw you baptize, it was Calvin, wasn't it? Baptizing Calvin. I thought, absolutely brilliant. And I saw Gaz in that pool. And I saw Josie in that pool baptizing people that they've been part of their journey. Great seeing you, Wayne, in the pool. Baptizing Isaac. I believe as Christians, and one of the things that's good about this church is we don't have special people, so anyone who loves Jesus can be in that pool and be baptizing. Isn't it? You know, we don't kind of like get the church royalty in or anything like that. There is no church royalty, in case you're wondering who they are. Okay. I've never met them. Um, <clears throat> says the people were waiting expectantly and were all wondering in their hearts if John might possibly be the Messiah. And John answered them all. I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I will come, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Now, I'll put it to you that for most people, there probably won't be lots of people that you would get to baptize in your life. But the reason I say you should be a baptizer, because one of the things I think is great and even if you're not doing the actual baptizing, you should be stood here with a towel ready to greet as they come out. Because I believe that every single one of us 
should be pouring our lives into the lives of another. Now, of course, when you get the privilege of baptizing your son or daughter, it's because you have poured your life and you have led them in the ways of Jesus. And that's absolutely brilliant and totally, totally right and wonderful that a son or daughter would say, Mom, Dad, I want you to, I want you to be in the pool with me because I recognize the part you've played. And discipling our children is one of the easiest and also the unique responsibility that we have. But also... Who are you coming alongside? Who are you coming alongside such that you will be the person that when someone says, you know what, I'm ready to, I'm ready to stake my, you know, plant that stake in the ground. That when they say that, they're like, and actually, it was Ed. It was Ed. Oh, do you make that noise every time I point at you? <laughs> <laughs> it was Ed who has been there for me. It was Ed who helped me to start to read the Bible. It was Ed who, yeah, you know, would it, who, is, who will that be in your life? And I don't want this to be a heavy pressure. It might just be one or two people in all of your life. But I believe that we should all be baptizers, that we should all be living in such a way, such that there are people whom we have had a privilege of walking that journey with them, I realize this is a big challenge, but it's John the Baptist, yeah? He was very, very challenging and very confronting. Maybe you think, oh, man, I'm not sure where to begin. Well, partly it begins back at where we began, which is you prepare the way for Jesus by being Jesus to others, by sharing your faith, by sharing how good God is with other people. But also, it could be getting involved a little bit further along the journey. And if you want to, if, you, if you're like, oh, yeah, actually, that would be brilliant to come alongside someone to, to kind of like teach them God's ways, for them to have a look at my life. And it, even though it's imperfect, they get a better view of what it means to live for Jesus. If you're unsure where to start, there's a few key people you can go and speak to. Yeah? Go and speak to. Josie, as she kind of leads the food bank and sees numbers of people coming through and, and being discipled in the context of food bank, which is absolutely brilliant. It's such a gift to the church. Speak to Gaz. Say, Gaz, I want to I be in that pool. I want to disciple someone. Might be two years, might be five years, might be ten years. But I want to put myself in that place of opportunity. How can I volunteer? How can I support someone in need, a family in need? How can I do that? Maybe speak to Lyndon, as Lyndon kind of like helps run the Alpha courses and sees people kind of on that journey. It might not even be that you need to go and volunteer at Alpha. It might just be, you know what, Lyndon, I'd just love to come alongside someone. Maybe I could meet up for a coffee even once a fortnight or once a week or something like that to support them, to grow them, to be there in that time of need, to be there when they get that question that they come across in the Bible because it can be a bit confusing at times. Or maybe you speak to Steve, Jeanette, Umesh. Maybe you get involved with foundations. Or even just, to, like I say, just kind of say, is there someone in your group that needs, needs a lift to church? Is there someone that needs a helping hand? As we give our lives into other people, then we might be the person. And this isn't about glory and it isn't about honor. It's simply that Jesus said to you and to me, go into all the world and make disciples, teaching them 
to obey everything I have commanded you. And there isn't a single person in this room who follows Jesus that that doesn't apply to. So John baptized. Maybe you should too. So, there's so much in John the Baptist. I hope I haven't been quite as offensive as he probably would have been if he'd been here in person. He prepared the way for Jesus. So should you. He lived differently and he lived sacrificially. And so should you. And he baptized people. And so should you. And let this verse speak over all of it. That he must increase. And I must decrease. Let's pray. Lord, as one body, we repeat to you those words that John the Baptist spoke. You must increase. I must decrease. Lord, whether it's in the arena of preparing the way for you, Jesus, pulling down the mountains and the raising the valleys, the mountains of wrong thinking, the valleys of ignorance, the mountains of despair, all the stuff that stops people experiencing your love. Show us how we are to do that in your name, to make the straight path that all people may see your salvation. Lord, maybe when it comes to how we live, how we spend our money, how we keep our money, what does it mean, God, for you to increase and for us to decrease in that area of our life? And Lord, may it all be the desire of our hearts that one day, and it might just be once or twice in our lifetime, we have the privilege of either doing the dunking or standing here with the towel of celebrating a brand new life, fully devoted, submitted, consecrated to you, Jesus. Lead us on by your spirit, Lord. Help us to decrease that you might increase. Amen.